0: Of ten thousand pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me, as always, Dominic Jose Bazoneo. Dom, you've been with us now for probably a solid twenty of these episodes. Big deal here at ten K. How you doing?
1: Tonight? <laughs> uh, I'm doing great, and and yeah, it's it's starting to starting to become quite a run. So it's uh, it's yeah, been exactly. fun fun to be on the ride so far.
0: Yeah, getting comfortable, but not too comfortable. I hope. Yeah, never too comfortable. Uh, A lot of news to get to, but before we do that, definitely want to let you know if you have not subscribed to the podcast, please do. Um, I'm just going to, I'm not going to say much. I'm going to say subscribing is going to be very, very important if you're not subscribed to the podcast. Subscribing now is going to be very important moving forward. That's all I'm really going to say right now. So go make sure you do that. Leave us a rating and review on apple or spotify if you could as well um i think we cracked the top 80 again in the apple podcast soccer charts nice. um but pot on your loons has got us beat they got us <laughs> high down our friends at pot on your loons sam justin uh and james do an excellent job i love their podcast and evidently i'm not the only one because they got up i looked to like 28th in the apple wow. podcast net like national soccer charts so good for them awesome for them but the competitor in me wants us to beat them. So ratings and reviews, download, subscribe, uh, and help us and help us do that and overtake our friends over at Podani Loons. But anyways, uh I I love what they do though. Uh, you'll probably hear them some combination of all three of them on post loons this season. Uh so I don't wanna I definitely don't want to burn that bridge down. We're gonna need <laughs> them for some content as the Minnesota United season gets started. Uh, but speaking of Minnesota United, that is where we're gonna start. Our, our topic this week. Actually, we did make a late switch. So we're going to talk Minnesota United in a minute. Uh, but there actually are a couple of really cool stories regarding, or really notable stories, I guess, regarding Minnesotans playing professional soccer. Um, the first one being Caden Clark. Now, it's been known for quite a while, for the last couple of years, that in here in 2022, in his contract, Caden Clark would have a clause that he was going to go to RB Leipzig in the Bundesliga. That's kind of how this whole Red Bull global thing works. All the clubs kind of work together, and there are clauses in some of the contracts. If they think that a young player has what it takes to be a stud in the future, like a Caden Clark, they're going to put a clause in that contract that says, okay, in 2022, he is going to sort of get called up, so to speak, from MLS to the Bundesliga. Um, So that loan was made official in June for Red Bull to Bundesliga. That switch, I guess, was made official. But now they've kind of decided to pull back the reins a little bit on that. And Caden Clark is coming back to New York Red Bulls from Leipzig. So it's officially a loan from Leipzig to New York Red Bulls. Hope you're following along here because it only gets more complicated as we move (laughs) forward. Because this is the most MLS thing. Before we get to kind of the why and kind of the details and the context surrounding this. We need to go into here, Dom, the intricacies of this loan. Because MLS being MLS, it couldn't just be a straight loan, right? It couldn't just be a simple, hey, we're going to send Clark back to New York from Leipzig. No, there's an allocation order. Not an allocation disorder. That's a podcast from The Athletic that I listen to (laughs) on a weekly basis. An allocation order where I guess other clubs would sort of have dibs on this. But those clubs also don't own the MLS rights to Caden Clark. So they technically can't bring him aboard. They can't sort of swoop in and swipe him out from under the rug from Red Bulls. but. Because New York wasn't first in allocation order, they had to trade allocation money to both Toronto and Cincinnati to move up enough in the allocation order to accept the loan for Clark from Leipzig. This makes no sense. But Dom, I always preface this. This is what makes MLS so damn entertaining and why I love this league so incredibly much because of stuff like this like as much of a headache as it is and as much as i just put my brain in absolute pretzel talking about that i i part of me part of me love part of me lives for this like this stuff like kind of injects a little bit of life into my veins whenever i talk about it because it's just it's just so damn weird it
1: like I when uh, when when the reports were coming out of this, I think it might have been Tom Bodert that I saw a tweet from, kind of laying out the uh, the details of it. My initial thought was, this is just so painfully dumb. <laughs> like how this all works. <laughs> it makes no, you know, it it's it's just it's a player being loaned back to his parent club from the team he's joined. That happens all the time. It's a relatively straightforward series of things. And of course, within the
0: same organization, really, yeah, they're basically Doesn't even have to like change his business card or anything. Like it's the same, same organization. They have the same badge. (laughs) Um, Same badge, yep.
1: yeah. But because, to your point, because it's MLS, somehow several teams that are completely unrelated to uh, to the player to either of the teams end up making money. Out of the transfer. It's you know, it it's bizarre. I, I guess it helps those uh Cincinnati certainly need all the resources they can get. Uh yeah. so I'm sure they're happy about that. But uh yeah, it's a weird one. Uh I suppose in the end it's you know, whatever it takes to get a player where he needs to be. Uh, I'm sure for the Red Bulls they don't mind that too too much.
0: But yeah, it is it is a little painfully MLS for me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I'm gonna be able to like think for the rest of this podcast now because <laughs> I've like spoken myself through this mental like gymnastics of trying to get through the the details of this of this loan. Okay, so we've talked about that. So Kane Clark is officially back with New York Red Bulls for 2022, which is great for Red Bulls. I mean, you get automatically one of the best young players in MLS. But for Clark, this is kind of interesting cuz he he comes onto the scene in 2020. Early in the 2020 season, he absolutely shows out for Red Bulls too. Now, this is the reason why we've talked about this multiple times on the podcast, probably at nauseum, uh, talked ourselves in a ton of circles around this. But this is why Minnesota was not able to keep Caden Clark. It's because they did not have a reserve team at the time. Um, and Clark was kind of in that limbo between outside, you know, too good for the academy, not necessarily ready for MLS. So the a reserve team was kind of a perfect placement for him. Minnesota United didn't have that. So he went over to Red Bulls um, to play for their reserve team. And early in 2020, just absolutely showed out, earned himself a spot on the main roster and just immediately makes a massive impact. He, he came aboard, I believe with seven games left in the regular season scored in his first match. A banger in his first match. And then proceeded to score again before the end of the regular season. And then he scores again in their playoff game. So the final eight matches of the 2020 season for Red Bulls, Caden Clark scores three goals. And he is 17 at the time. Pretty incredible. Um, So heading into 2021, for better or worse, expectations were through the absolute roof for this kid. Um, being that he finished off 2020 on such a high note. And in a vacuum, 2021 was a pretty respectable season for Clark. He started 17 matches, or excuse me, yeah, started 17 matches. Um, he scored five goals, four assists. Um, pretty decent season for an 18-year-old kid. But you're talking about setting yourself up for a jump to the Bundesliga you're only really playing in two thirds of the team's matches and you weren't necessarily, I guess, contributing at the same rate that you did at the end of the 2020 season. And again, maybe an unfair expectation that he would continue to contribute at that same rate for 2021. But that expectation was there because that jump to a top flight European league was looming for, for him. Um, so it's just sort of this this interesting situation where the, Kane Clark is obviously an incredible player. He has a U.S. men's national team uh, appearance already on his on his record. Um, you know, nothing but good things in the future. Maybe too high expectations too early, though, as far as his his output, his attacking output, his goal scoring output, his his impact that he would have over a course of a longer season.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think that something to keep in mind, uh, and I, I agree with your point there that perhaps expectations were were being mounted too high. I don't, I don't think that this is like in danger of becoming like a Freddie Adu situation. No, all, nowhere close. With all due, yeah. with all due yeah. respect to Freddie Adu, uh, but you know, I, I don't think anything like that is in danger of happening. But I do think that obviously there's a lot of hype going into a very young soccer player that. Um, only recently even broke into the level he's currently at uh, yeah. and, and I, I think something that's worth keeping in mind is that when you think about it even if he had fully left New York for for Leipzig I don't really know if he would have ended up playing for them much or at all I mean you look at um, other comparable MLS players that have gone into the, the Red Bull system like Aronson he's still at Salzburg um yep. and he's older than, than Clark. Uh I wouldn't have been wouldn't have been surprised if Clark would have just gone loan somewhere else, anyways. Yeah. Uh so you know, you have him kind of having uh maybe a, a a little bit of a slope down in how he performed last year, albeit again it wasn't a bad year. Maybe it just makes more sense to keep him where he's been at, a little closer to home, so to say, and let him yeah. kind of figure all that out get a little more maturity uh, before, you know, like an 18 year old shouldn't be expected to be able to move across the planet. And then all of a sudden be part of like a title race in one of the bigger leagues in the world. That's just completely unrealistic. The guy was playing the USL championship like two years ago. (laughs) So yeah, that, that would, if he had done it, that would have been baffling and amazing, but it's, it's really high expectations. And of course, I wonder if the dismissal of Jesse Marsh as the, Coach of Leipzig, between those two points, might have had also something to do with how those plans go. But that's conjecture. Mm. I don't know. But uh, yeah. Anyway, you know, I, I think there's still a very exciting future ahead of him, and even his lesser exciting season of 2021 was still a completely respectable season. Uh, especially when you keep in mind that the entire of the entirety of of the New York Red Bulls had a kind of on-off year last yeah. year, or so. You know, he has an on-off year, but his old team is having an on-off year. Uh, and it's his, like, second year as a pro or, or as an MLS-level player anyways. First floor, uh, yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. Yeah. So, you know. He was basically a rookie last year because as as, right. as well as he did in 2020, as we mentioned, he only played eight matches, the final eight matches right. of the season. So, so it's not like he played even half a season. Uh, but your point about Jesse Marsh is interesting, Dom, because I was thinking that exact same thing, um, you know, Jesse Marsh is obviously somebody that would be very, very familiar with Caden Clark being an American coach, American player um, would know a lot of the context around Caden Clark, his development and things like that. Um, And you sort of had this potential really cool thing brewing with Jesse Marsh as the coach and Tyler Adams, Brendan Aronson, the potential Caden Clark being added to the mix. Like that was all sort of like this cool potential thing. And now it's kind of not, not exactly coming to fruition, which is fine, but I do think this move back to New York is, is, overall a positive for Clark because as you mentioned even if he went to Leipzig it, it, who it's it's tough to see where he'd fit in in that roster in that sort of the pool of players that they have because again you're talking about a top flight Bundesliga team um so the fact that he is going to get another year at Red Bulls presumably another full year at Red Bulls um can only mean good things for his continued development because this is still a developing player And I think that's where maybe those expectations when I talk about those expectations getting too high, um, you know, the way the 2020 season ended, you almost say, okay, this is a kid who's there, right? This is a kid who's sort of reaching his potential, but this is still a kid. Like you said, USL championship, just two years ago. I mean, three years ago, he wasn't even really necessarily on the map when it comes to the, the, you know, us soccer, um, you know, next, next, Kids up, so to speak, right? Right. So I do think that this move is a positive one for Clark, and it really is. I don't want to. I, I, I said I said this on Twitter, so maybe I should follow it up on here. It is kind of a prove it year for him, though, too. um And this is a year where I expect him to come in. He should come in very, very motivated because he's probably a little bit. It's probably a little bit bittersweet getting that call back. Like, hey, yeah, you're gonna yeah. have a chance to be on a Bundesliga roster, but now you're coming back to MLS. You know, it's got to be a little bit bittersweet for him. Hopefully, maybe a little chip on the shoulder and he can come in and have a have a really, really solid 2022 because the potential is there. It's just a matter of, again, managing expectations, but also putting him in the right situation to continue his development and succeed. Yeah,
1: I think uh, I, I, I hope everything goes well for him and I think it will. If next year doesn't go well, or this year, rather, doesn't go well, whatever you want to define that as, uh, yeah, I do think that then creates some potentially very complicated conversations about, you know, where, where he fits into Leipzig's plans. But, you know, again, I don't think that's going to be necessary because I think a uh, fresh team with the, the, the whole Red Bulls or uh, New York Red Bulls organization has kind of refreshed from last year. I, I think he'll probably have a very productive season and, uh, and hopefully, uh, 2023 him in Europe. Uh,
0: believe it or not, Caden Clark, not the only Minnesotan in the pros making moves, um, as he moves sort of from Europe back to the States, uh, Minneapolis's Isaiah LaFleur is making a move from the United States to Europe. As Lafleur is making a move from SKC two to SC Braga. In Portugal, uh, really, really cool. Uh, 19-year-old, made 19 appearances and 13 starts in the USL Championship last season for SKC2. Um, he's, he played on the back line. He's primarily a left back. Um, should also be noted, he did spend three years in Portugal from 2016 to 2019 with A.D. Aris. I believe that's how you pronounce that, O-E-R-I-S. Um, and so he is very, very familiar with playing in Portugal. The interesting part of this is actually some people caught this on their website. When they announced the move, they initially put Lafleur Braga did on their first team roster on their website. <clears throat> so that sort of raised a lot of like the, the spidey sense yeah. in terms of like, whoa, is this actually happening? Is this kid actually going to be playing on the first <laughs> team in the top flight in Europe, uh, in, in Portugal? Um, but the, um, uh, the press release from Braga on the signing does state he'll be an option in their B team and their U23 squad. So not on the first team, at least, you know, as of yet, but still, I mean, you're, you're joining the uh, sort of the reserve team and the development, developmental side of one of the most notable soccer clubs in the top flight in Portugal. And that can only mean good things for a kid like Lafleur and his continued development moving forward. Very exciting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Braga is a is a big club by every definition in, in Portugal. They're uh, trophy competitors. They they're pretty consistently uh, fighting with the likes of, of Porto and Benfica and Sporting um, for for titles for for top four those sorts of things. So even if he's in a in a reserve position. One interpretation also that I would throw out there, just for that that last point about him being on being on that list and then being described differently in the press release, is you know I've seen before with players, um, particularly Venezuelan players that I've tracked in Portugal. That and you see this in a lot of countries, but uh, in Portugal, for example, the the lines between a player being available for one roster or the other are are a lot thinner and blurrier in a lot of Uh, other leagues than they sometimes are in the United States Um, and it's pretty common to see a player like called onto the bench for the senior team for a game and then midweek play for the reserve team as a starter like you see that kind of stuff all the time so you know maybe maybe he will end up being in contention for some sort of minutes at a cup game or something who knows but, uh, but yeah, his immediate task at, at hand is, of course, doing his best with with the reserve side and with the uh, you, you under-23 uh, sides that he's going to be playing with. And uh, that's very exciting. I know there's a lot of people that were very excited about this. I know uh, Mario from TC Soul was tweeting and posting a lot about this. He seemed very excited about that. Um, and it's cool to see a person that was a little under the radar uh, make, make that jump. But, you know, a lot of... Uh, European teams have actually done a lot of scouting in the USL championship level as of late. And uh, so in that sense, it's maybe not so surprising to see, see some hidden gems from, from that level get, get pulled over there. But yeah, best of luck to him in, in this big leap.
0: Yeah. I mean, there, and there's a larger conversation to be had about, you know, the, the the path and the route that some of these uh, developmental players and some of these younger players choose to uh, go down because, I mean, MLS, as we just talked about, the the crazy hoops that clubs have to jump through and players have to jump through and deal with going from or to or from Europe um, and MLS sort of prioritizing moving within the league over moving to or from Europe, unless you're FC Dallas, uh, where things might be a little more easier in the USL. Uh, that's a larger conversation for another time, but uh, really cool for the floor to get that opportunity um, and to move into, uh, you know, that that system and be on that radar and get your foot in the door there i mean that's 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 going to be incredible for him an incredible opportunity so i uh, really excited to see what comes from that all right as we stated as i uh mistakenly stated we would start off the show with let's transition now and talk about minnesota united um because there are a few there are a few headlines um the first one uh, we kind of we've kind of kicked off our minnesota united content with this topic the last three or four weeks i feel like but it's Luis san maria Um, we're kind of near the finish line with this. I think we have sort of passed the rumor stage and are sort of between the rumor and actual signing stage at this point. Um, basically the signing is all but announced. Um, and it will be announced at a later date, according to Andy Grader of the Pioneer Press. The interesting part of this though, Dominic, and one part that we haven't touched on, because we've touched on pretty much every, every aspect of this is that according to Andy, the way the contract is going to be structured for Amaria, he's going to be a designated player in 2022. And that's the last, that's the only DP spot that Minnesota United has open. It's Jan Gregish's. Um, So while it would have been, I guess maybe ideal to have Amaria coming on a, on a TAM contract or or whatever sort of way you want to bring him in, and maybe say that DP spot for somebody like a uh, a winger, defensive midfielder, you know, a young backline player maybe. Um, looks like two of the designated player spots for Minnesota United in 2022 are going to be at the striker position, uh, which is interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. And we've already talked about this and we've seen this. Minnesota United is sort of, of bringing in this, this pool. They're amassing this sort of arsenal of strikers for 2022 um so it's interesting to think where this will take where things will go tactically for adrian heath in 2022 yeah. does he stick with the four-two-three-one and just have a dp sitting on his bench all season um and coming off the bench all season or is this the year i mean a lot of people including myself uh shout out eli hoff uh you know he's he's been talking about this too do we get the two striker system in 2022 dom a lot of twos in 2022, so you might as well add a two to the number of strikers that are going to be on the field for Minnesota United, no?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you have to imagine that that the team is aware they have to get all these guys minutes, and uh, yeah. um, I don't I don't think most of these guys are going to be interested in, in playing left back or anything like that, so uh, yeah... I, a formation change or, or, or maybe a more subtle tactical change does feel like it would, it would need to happen. Uh, I I joked at a previous episode that we were maybe going to see one of those like five up front, five up front formations that won Brazil like the World Cup in the 60s. And that was a joke, but I'm starting to feel like it's the only option. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's interesting because I, I don't typically think of Adrian Heath as a, especially um uh, what's the right word here um and especially ambitious coach when it comes to like attacking style uh i, I don't mean that it come in a negative way i mean that he he tends to work very conservatively i think when he structures his attack um yeah. and uh which is not a bad thing I know that probably sounded like an insult at first but uh so anyways, having this many forwards on hand, it definitely leaves a lot of questions. I mean, this team was at a point a couple of years ago where we brought in one new striking option, so we decided to kick out our best striker. Yeah. <laughs> and now we have all of the strikers in MLS. So it's, uh, it's a very different time. It's a very different time, and I, I think we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited about his return. On, on the note of the DP thing, yeah, you know, I, I I can I understand that some people may have wanted that space to be used in a different way, but at the same time, if if Amaria does half as much as I think he can this year, he'll still be a better DP than Chacon. So, uh, I <laughs> I or better use of the DP slot than Chacon. So uh, yes, that that's a better way to put it. Is I don't want to make it a Chacon's fault thing, but um. So uh, point being, I I think that that can still be a a good use of that spot. I mean, we know this is a very talented striker. We know this is a guy that can score goals in MLS when he's fit and uh, when the world isn't, you know, shut down. And uh, I'm excited to see how he, uh, you know, works to prove himself uh, in a team that obviously he's been distant from for some time and and has so many other options in his spot. But I I think there's the potential for – I think there's potential for him to become the starting striker within a month or two. Um, You know, depending on how things go, depending on how much faith Heath has in him. And I would assume that's quite a bit if they're giving him a DP spot. So we'll see, but I think it's an exciting move for sure.
0: I'm going to preface this point by saying, I understand that everybody listening to this podcast who follows Minnesota United, their eyes are going to roll into the back of their head when I make this point. But (laughs) What we see tactically, I think it comes down to whether or not Adrian Heath trusts his attacking depth. Like, does he trust a guy like Abu Ladi to get minutes every single match? Because if you do a two-striker system, one of those guys is probably going to be subbed off at some point. Right. now. You would hope that maybe you're ahead and you can sum them off for a defensive midfielder or a defender or something, park the bus and close it out. But if you're not, you can't be. And again, here's where the eyes are going to roll the back of the head. You can't be rolling these guys out 90 minutes a match every single match, right? You got to have depth. You got to have options off the bench. And that's going to be even more important. And the usage of that depth, again, eye rolls, I can see them, I can feel them. The usage of that depth, is going to be even more important if you utilize a two-striker system. So, will will he trust a guy like a Budamarti? Can uh, can Huang Wan'e come uh, come in and and prove himself maybe worthy? Can Tani Olashewi prove prove uh, David Gas right and be an impact player right off the bat? Who knows. But I think it all comes down to, again, we're not, we're not in training. We're not in practice. So I guess we hit, we don't really see, you know, the day in day out, uh, look of these guys, but I think it comes down to the usage of the depth and the trust in the depth. If, if Adrian Heath doesn't see enough to trust his depth options, i even with the two DPs, I don't think he goes to a two striker system. I think he kind of says, okay, these are going to be my two guys who knew is going to start and Amari is going to come off the bench or Amari is going to start and who knew is going to come off the bench, whatever order you want to put that in. And that's going to be that. And no other striker is going to see the field the rest of the season. <laughs> uh, that could yeah. be, that could be very well. it. Um, or right. things do get a little bit more aggressive. You do utilize the money that you're spending. Uh, and you, you put them both on the field and you sort of, again, kind of put faith and your guys that are a little bit lower on the depth chart that they can come in uh and and give those give those starters a breather um especially when you get to like july and august and you're playing saturday wednesday sunday wednesday yeah. saturday like back to back to back you're gonna need those options um especially if you go to a two striker system so that is gonna I think be the, kind of that determining factor so and that's something we will only really see and only get an answer. To as we move into the season and are actually able to watch a freaking Minnesota United match it's getting very annoying dom not yeah that would to be nice
1: but that would be nice if we could just you know see the people play at the soccer but apparently that's too much
0: yeah. to ask but you know anyways yes that's neither here nor there all right um other loons news uh another. Rumored signing, that is close to the finish line, according to Andy Grater from the Pioneer Press. Uh, Honduran defensive midfielder, Kirvin Ariaga expected to sign with the Loons, according to those reports. Um, same reports, though, also indicate, this is similar to Amaria's potential timeline, too, uh, that the deal probably won't get done in time for him to join the team in Portland for that final preseason tournament before the season gets started later this month. Um, Ariaga did not make the trip to Allianz Field with the Honduran national team uh, for the uh, what people are calling now, Dom, I don't know if you heard this name. It's the Copa Frisadoris is what people are calling this now. I, I um, did see that, yes. Yeah, so, uh, but we thought we were going to see Ariaga, which is cool to see a current signing. Maybe a good idea to keep him at home and not expose him to hypothermic weather. Uh, may not get, Might not have given him the best impression of Minnesota And uh, I don't even know if his teammates getting hypothermia is the best uh, selling point for Minnesota as a destination either. So hopefully they can get this deal done sooner rather than later before he gets influenced by his teammates. But um, in all seriousness, defensive midfield depth is something Minnesota United needs because right now it's, it's, it's Asani Dodson and will trap man. That's about it. Right. You don't have have Ozzy Alonzo. You're going to need that depth. Ariaga would be a great piece, um, so he's a guy who'd it'd be nice to bring him in. Uh, but again, we're we're only reportedly close to the finish line. Nothing concrete, nothing official as of yet.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to him joining the team. Assuming that everything goes as is expected, uh, he seems like a very talented player who has not necessarily had um, the chance to show his quality at higher levels yet um perhaps with the exception of his national team um of course that's asterisked by the fact that they've had you know performed poorly in in recent years
0: and so that's a tough position to be in as a player but he's been like the lone bright spot for that yeah there are other guys who are doing decent but i mean if you look at some of his performances highlight reels and things like that he is he is one of their he is he is one of the most standout type players for, sure. for that team. But again, the asterisk is they that team is absolutely terrible. So yeah. you know it's hard to it's hard to say. Yeah, they've been the surprise of of the
1: uh of the octagon and not in a good way. Uh, but uh you know, I, I I look forward to to what he can bring to the team. This is a guy that's um spent his whole career to the point that we were just talking about really Digging into the trenches and, and and fighting from that defensive midfield position, um, certainly with Honduras and with um, uh, uh, Marathon, I think is the club he was, he was with yeah. in, in Honduras, uh, which is a big club there. But still, that's, you know, be, the nature of, of the level of soccer there, that's still going to be a pretty gritty um, club to play for. And uh, so, you know, I, I think he can bring a lot. I think he can actually bring a lot of the sort of personality and grit that players like. Um, Ozzy Alonzo Brain, uh, who of course mm-hmm. is not there anymore, um, and is maybe something that some of our other options in that position don't have. So uh, yeah, I, I, I look forward to him joining. To the point of him not making the initial trip, which you know I saw some reports that suggested that that trip uh, for the Honduras game with the U.S. would have been when he would have finished the deal. Um, if he had made it, he probably still wouldn't have been available for that preseason game in Portland because he probably would have been ill. <laughs> so. Uh-huh. So I think it exactly. all works out. I think it all works out. And I think, uh, you know, when he does join the team, he's going to be a great addition.
0: Yeah. So a couple of signings, reported signings, uh, you know, incoming uh, and any day, any week now, uh, Luis San Maria and Kervin Arriaga. Um, one thing that we do know happened, we didn't see it happen, uh, but we do know happened is uh, Joy of the People product, Joy Athletic alum, St. Cloud State soccer player, Emmanuel Iwe scored the game-winning goal for Minnesota United as a trialist in their 5-4 preseason friendly win against Orlando City down in Florida last weekend. Um, really cool to see somebody coming up through the NPSL North get that type of opportunity and take advantage of it, right? I mean, it's 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 enough. I mean, it's it's cool enough that he's training with the team, even cooler that he's officially a trialist and getting this opportunity in a preseason match. But then you you multiply that times 10 when you score the game-winning goal uh, in a 5-4 win, which is obviously a pretty exciting match. I wish we could have saw it, but again, uh, you know, streaming rights. But um, cool, I mean, just, just an amazing um, story. Uh, Adrian Heath said as such uh, in the post-game press conference, called it a really cool local, local story for you there. Um, and I, I really think this could open the door, um, should open the door for him to get a real opportunity with MNUFC2. Um, I would I think, you know, considering that Adrian Heath is speaking highly of him, considering that, that we know he scored this goal and we know he kind of had this performance and um, I think that that is probably a likely destination for him, and I would love to see him get that platform and get that opportunity to sort of continue to show what he can do at that level. And that's what this reserve team brings, Dom. It brings the opportunity for these local kids to stay local, stay in uh, in your system, stay in state, and continue their development. This could have been another Caden Clark season or King Clark season, Caden Clark situation very, very easily. Um, but, um, now with MLS next pro, you have this reserve team there for a guy like Eway to sort of stay in state, stay in your system and develop through you. And sort of, you have those first dibs on making him a pro in your, in your first team. If you see that being kind of his, him being worthy of that option. So all that to say, this is a very cool story. And I'm very excited about the potential of what he could do moving forward with the loons. Um, whether it's on their first squad, second squad, or whatever.
1: Yeah, you know, we've said this before. We we certainly talked about it um, around the time that he was on the show, um, and we I, I think you guys talked about it before I joined the show. But uh, Emmanuel Iwa is a damn good soccer player. I mean, yeah. he is genuinely a really, really quality soccer player, and he's got that level without necessarily having the best tools around him to get to that point. Uh, I can only imagine what working in a more professional environment, more high-level environment would do for him. Uh last year, Duluth's, Duluth FC's first home game was was uh Joy Athletic, which was the first game I, I was in person for. Uh and I was so imp- I was impressed by Whitney Brown because I was like, damn Whitney Brown still got it. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. but uh I was m- most impressed by Ewe, who I off the top of my head, I want to say scored and assisted a goal that that day. Uh, and I don't think I was impre- as impressed by a player visiting Duluth until the second half of the season, when, when City came to play and beat and beat Duluth. I for the, I mean, almost the whole season, I don't think a player impressed me the way he impressed me. Certainly, a player I wasn't familiar with uh, from that that sort of pool. Uh, he he's really got something to him. And uh, yeah, I mean, he—I don't know what his you know perspective on future plans. Obviously, he's in college still, but whatever, uh, whatever he feels most comfortable with with plans moving forward. This is a guy that deserves a shot at the professional level, and there's so many more ways to do that in the Upper Midwest now and in Minnesota now that if he doesn't, if someone doesn't give him an open door into that, then that's a that's a failure on the on the the mm-hmm. system. So. I, you know, maybe it's not this year who knows what he, you know, needs to do for, for himself, but uh, in the next coming couple of years, years, uh, I really hope that we, we see him given
0: real professional opportunities. I want to try to put this in context because uh, I feel like Sidney Warden really kind of overshadowed the rest of the MPSL North last season with his, with his season from a national perspective. Um, to me, now, Joy Athletic did not submit any of their players for the postseason awards for conference or regional awards. You have to sort of submit players from your team, and then and Joy Athletic opted for whatever reason not to do that. Um for my money, and this is with all due respect to Minneapolis City, they're obviously by far the best team in the NPSL North. They have you know the best, the best group of players. For my money, Emmanuel Uwe was the best player in that conference, not named Sidney Warden. And if it wasn't for Sidney Warden's golden boot type season that he had, I think there would have been a real conversation there for who that MPSL North player of the year is for Warden anyway. Just, just you watch him play and it's just, he's so, he's, he's, he stands out in the best way possible. Like you, you look at him, even compared to other really, really good players, even on a field with Minneapolis City, it's like, whoa like that dude, that's a next level player. Yeah. The way he He moves moves. the effortlessness with the ball, the, just the way he positions himself, the way he just looks on the field. It's like, he's it's, that's a next level player, right? For sure. That's a player who's not going to be playing in the NPSL North another two years. Right. Who's moving up and, and doing bigger and better things. So, um, does not surprise me that he's been given this opportunity. Um, does it surprise me a little that he scored the game winning goal in a, in a, in a preseason friendly for an MLS team? A little bit. Yeah. Uh, But at the same time um, I I do think he's deserving of the opportunity and and hopefully he gets that, but um, yeah, really, really cool regardless. So a lot of, I mean, a lot of cool things happening for players in Minnesota from Minnesota. We talked about the Kane Clark situation. We talked about Isaiah LaFleur. Now, of course, Emmanuel Iwe um, as well, coming up through Minnesota United in that system now so um that's awesome. Um speaking of MNUFC ufc two two official signings for the uh what are we going to call this the second team the the mini loons? I feel like that's like more of like a youth team name. We got to come up with a really really creative oh. name for the reserve team. Um we may, may we may give it a week. I don't know if we're going to yeah. think of anything on the on the spot right now, but uh we're going to come up with a name. Uh, but uh, center back Jason Ramos and forward Tommy Wilson. We already talked about Thomas Wilson. Um, evidently, Tommy is how he prefers his first name to be said. So we already talked about him. That that signing had been rumored for quite a few weeks now, uh, but Jason Ramos is sort of that new name that is uh, added to the list. And he's officially a member of MNUFC2. Comes from USL League One. Um, he spent last season with the Chattanooga Red Wolves and earned a final spot for the league's Defender of the Year Award. Uh, we talked about this similar to, you know, we talked about Minnesota United's needs uh, a little bit earlier. They need young defenders. Desperately bad. Um, you know, the aging back line, that phrase has been used to describe Minnesota United's back line ad nauseum. It's very, very true. That's why it keeps being said. Um, so getting young defenders in the system to potentially come up and, you know, be the Arab parent to you know one of these one of these aging uh aging defenders on the first team is super important and so uh jason ramos obviously has the pedigree 24 years old um you know like like we said usl league one to de- play defensive player of the year award candidate last season um fits a need for the loons a very very big one so it'll be interesting to see how he continues to develop and if he can, he can kind of turn into that to that player that that minnesota united hope hopefully can uh you know obtain on the on the first squad in terms of young quality defenders.
1: Yeah, and you know at the end of the day at the very least you're getting a guy who you know for sure can perform uh well at that at this level, at this mm-hmm. sort of what's been deemed a third division level. Uh and and perhaps you know there the argument is there that because he's been used to playing in league one where he's playing with a lot of more mature players. He might even be extra prepared for something like uh, the first year of MLS next pro, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, I mean, at the very least, it's good to get guys that are experienced at this level show that they can play well at this level. And yeah, I mean, 24, there's a lot of time still there for development, especially at the the sort of ages that tend to be uh, accepted in MLS. So, uh, we very well could see the 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 beginning of a project here for for both of these guys for sure but but certainly Ramos uh to to have a future with this team
0: at a higher level we're we'll get to some lower league talk in just a second but it is the time that we shout out our good friends over at Stimulus Athletics. season's a few months away do you have the jerseys the apparel the on and off field clothing and the the look and the overall equipment that you need for your team this season? If the answer is no, if the answer is uh, we're not quite sure, you got to hit up Stimulus Athletic. StimulusAthletic.com is where you go. Jason Mora, the owner of Stimulus, if that name sounds familiar, he's a player for Minnesota United. He's planted his roots in Minnesota and is offering quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices. This is a Minnesota based business doing great things for clubs nationwide, but also here in Minnesota as well. There's the huge local flavor with Stimulus Athletic and the clubs that they outfit. We talk about Minneapolis city. They also outfit dynamo, St. Cloud, uh, joy athletic, joy athletic is sporting some stimulus, athletic stuff during their futsal season right now. Um, so that is really cool. Um, you talk about Flora FC as well. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of good looks, a lot of good jerseys, and it's all thanks to stimulus athletics. So go to stimulusathletic.com right now. Um, click that design tab, click that get started button um and get that process started it's free to have a conversation it's free to have a consultation they'll talk you through everything if you have a design you own a design and you just want it applied to a really comfortable really quality jersey stimulus can do that for you but I think the real perk here is if you don't have a design, Stimulus has an awesome design team. I mean, they helped design our 10K kit last summer, or two summers back now. It feels like last summer. It's two summers back now uh, that they designed the the 10K kit for us. That looked awesome. And they can do the same for you and your club. Provide you a great look on some quality apparel, quality jerseys. It's all about quality, and it's all about saving money with Stimulus Athletics. So go to StimulusAthletic.com, see for yourself, click that Get Started button, and make sure you let them know Jeremy and Dom from 10K sent you there. All right, some lower league notes before we get into our top four, Dom. The U.S. Open Cup. I think maybe it's safe to say that Minneapolis City will finally get it to compete in the U.S. Open Cup, Dom. I know that a lot of Crows fans are not going to say for sure until that team takes the field on March 23rd, but... The draw is out. Minneapolis City knows who they're playing and where they're playing for their opening round match. And this is interesting because, and this makes sense from a regional perspective, but they are playing USL League 2 rival Des Moines Menace in the opening round of the U.S. Open Cup. They traveled to West Des Moines for that match on March 23rd, um, 8 p.m. Central time is when the match kicks off. And this is a little bit of a preview. For that USL League Two season, um, a very, very marquee opening match. To go off the US Open Cup for the Crows. Yeah, you know the the this round of the Open Cup
1: obviously at a national level only garners a certain amount of attention and it's regional. But for the for the context of the Upper Midwest, I think this is actually a really poignant match to keep an eye on. Obviously, both teams' performances are going to be slightly. Affected by the fact that it's very early in the year, so I'm not, you know, we don't know what the rosters are going to look like for either side. But nonetheless, two organizations that are set up to have a very competitive year in uh, in, in USL League Two, and, and both fighting for a very valuable spot in that second round, which you know potentially mm-hmm. see them play a much larger opponent, uh, mm-hmm. and, and then qualify for an even larger opponent. Uh, so yeah, I mean very exciting. I really look forward to the the, the burnt husk of New Amsterdam playing Des Moines on, on the 23rd. Uh, but but no, it's probably gonna be sick. Uh, but uh, you you never know. You never know. Twitter's a wild place. But um yeah, you know, it's 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 exciting that it's exciting in the first place that Minnesota has two representatives in the open cup, which unfortunately is very rare. Uh, but it's very exciting, of course, for a club that really should have had this opportunity at you know sooner, uh, and for various reasons didn't. Uh, some of which were not their fault. Um yeah. You know, we'll we do a whole podcast about that. Well, but the, yeah. all the stuff before that. But uh, yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of weird stuff that happened before that. But um, anyway, so yeah, very really looking forward to them having the opportunity, and and it's cool that they're going to start it on such a big stage. Obviously, the Moines Menace are about as big as you can get at at that level. Uh, and, yep. and the state of Iowa, of course, there's apparently some professional soccer moving in there as well, so that's kind of interesting under okay, under, cool. under note. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's great. And and I, I do like that we're kind of setting up uh, a situation where these two are really going to have – I mean, who knows what's going to actually happen. I don't want to create synthetic rivalries because that's never good. But uh, because, of course, they're going to be playing a lot and for some pretty high stakes between this game and, and their the, – the, uh, USL two conference, was uh, certainly setting up for the development of a very interesting kind of rivalry between these two teams, which I certainly don't mind. because I think the one with Duluth got a little too hot for me. <laughs> so I <laughs> I, I, think, I, think, I think it'd be I think it'd be good for You're too for close to home, Dom. Literally, it, yeah. Stuff got a little too wild, so I, I I think it'd be interesting to see what that you know that change, um, that 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 new chapter for both teams. You know, I, Des Moines, I, as far as I'm aware their fan base does not necessarily have like a huge rivalry against the other folks in their conference previously. Mm-hmm. Uh so this in a way this is also a new chapter for them not just not just city. Um but yeah, really exciting and and uh from from a Midwest perspective in general, I mean whoever ends up winning, that's certainly a team to follow as they move forward, both very competitive interesting clubs. Uh and yeah. I and I certainly hope that at least one of them gets a chance to you know maybe play some uh upper level USL opposition or who knows, maybe an MLS team. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, I mean, like we talked about this in in 2020, pre-pandemic. Minneapolis City was set to play their opening round match in Chicago, and if they won, they would play Ford Madison in the second round. Um, Not exactly sure how how that's going to shake out from a bracket standpoint uh, for 2022 here, but the potential is there, and now Minneapolis City finally has their chance to prove that, hey, this is what we can do in the Open Cup if given the opportunity. So that's going to be a big one. And uh may we may try to see if we can get we can get down there for that one because it's a it's definitely a big one. Um, final note here before we get into our top four, Dom Minnesota Aurora three player signings. This is a this is an exciting time for Aurora. I mean, as we gear toward the regular season, that inaugural USLW League season, we anticipate that you know the news would come in fast and furious. We talked a couple weeks ago about Their new stadium, which is going to be at the TCO Performance Center where the Vikings play, which is cool in and of itself. Um, But now we're starting to get player signings. And the first one, I don't know if you can get a more notable player signing uh, at this level than this. Sarah Fuller is going to be playing for Minnesota Aurora next season. If that name sounds familiar, she is the goalkeeper from Vanderbilt uh, who became nationally known – for her run as a place kicker on Vanderbilt's football team. She was the first uh first woman to uh kick in a D1 football game. Um, and sort of sort of broke a barrier there. And and but she's primarily a soccer player, goalkeeper for the Commodores, very, very good as well. Uh so not only is this a marquee signing for Minnesota Aurora from that notability standpoint, but they're going to damn good soccer player and goal too for 2022. So overall good stuff there with that initial signing. Um, you know, it's, it's cool. It's cool to see that, that type of recognition and that type of name coming to Minnesota. And she can obviously back up on the field too.
1: Yeah. And, you know, uh, of course, like, like you were noting, it's important to focus on the fact that she is obviously very talented as a goalkeeper. And that's, that's the main relevancy. Mm-hmm the the the, the place kicker side of her story is is of course very important at a broader level outside of this team. but I, I do think the contribution it makes in terms of being excited for the signing is that you know this is a, a person, an athlete that um, clearly has a you know a very strong sense of motivation and confidence and ability to take on unique challenges, uh, mm-hmm. which you know is is never a bad thing to have, especially in a position that it's important to have a certain amount of daring and leadership. Uh, so, in, in that sense, I, I do think it, it's something to keep in mind with this new challenge that she's taking on. Of course, the new challenge that the team's taking on its first season. Uh, so, yeah, it's very exciting. And on, on on the other side, it's also just kind of fun at this level to see like a, a player for, signed for a team that has like one tenth of the followers that she has. <laughs> but yeah. uh, you know, no, but anyways, it's it's really cool, and uh, I'm looking forward to you know. This is also kind of a new chapter in in her a- athletic. Career and kind of a new challenge for her. So uh it's exciting to see what comes from both sides of that signing.
0: Yeah, for sure. And Sarah's not the only one to be signed. Um Christelle Yuwa, um, former team captain of Michigan State, um, very, very good, accomplished player in the Big Ten. Uh given the gophers fits through the years. Um, she'll be joining the uh she'll be joining the team. And then uh, a couple of Minnesota products that'll be joining Aurora, a couple of local, local players. Mackenzie Langdock uh, used to play for MTA uh, more than 70 appearance though, most notably at the U of M named NCAA all region team after the 2021 season. And of course she is the one whose banger goal made SC top 10 as well. So she is joining Minnesota Aurora. And then just yesterday it was announced another local player will be joining Minnesota Aurora for 2022 Morgan Turner. Now, Morgan is a Minnesota native, but she played soccer at DePaul. What what happened was Aaron Chastain, the coach for Minnesota, used to coach at DePaul. Um, And so Aaron Chastain, very, very familiar with uh, with Morgan Turner, um, the reason that Morgan Turner went to DePaul. Um, So a lot of Minnesota connections there. Uh, from Morgan Turner. So she'll be making her return home uh, to play for Minnesota Aurora next season too. So uh, a couple of local players, most recently with Kenzie Langdock and Morgan Turner. Uh, on a programming note, next week I'll be doing an interview with both Langdock and Turner for 10,000 pitches. We'll be putting that up as kind of a bonus podcast episode early next week. And it'll be up on our YouTube channel as well. So be on the lookout for that exciting stuff. But every day, seems like we get a new signing announced for Aurora as they fill out their roster. Um, and it's nice to see the local flavor in there. I think you tweeted earlier today, Dom. That's kind of the importance, or the 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 one of the bigger pieces of this is the ability for lo- you know a new opportunity for local talent to stay local and play for you know a, a play at a very very high level, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, for, for all the 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 hype and creativity and focus
1: that's come onto uh, Minnesota Aurora. If if you have all that and and the idea of the fan ownership and and or community ownership rather uh, and all all of that if you have that and then you know you get the roster and it's a bunch of people who've never been here before at a certain point it kind of there's that contradictory kind of pendulum between those two things so it, it is good to have a team that clearly is very intent on having that community connection by all means have some some folks on the team that are not from the area but do have that connection do have some players and even you know player from Michigan that's not that's that's still that Midwest kind of area there even that is kind of a connection um but but certainly that specifically Minnesota connection is good to have it's a good way to kind of reinforce to people like okay this is a team that's kind of about the area cares about the area cares about developing the area and uh and yeah so and they also obviously are very talented players which is the main focus but yeah, I think these are all really, really good signings to start off the roster. Obviously, there's more to come, but I, I think they're already covering a lot of bases in terms of that local connection, in terms of uh, uh, the the intent and the motivation behind getting like big names or big talents onto the team. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, very exciting for sure.
0: All right, it's time, Dom. Are you ready for our top four? I am as ready as I'm going to be. Okay. So we're going to put a new spin on top four. Usually we pick one topic and we pick our top four things within that topic. But this week, being that we're gearing up for the Minnesota United regular season, of the first match is just 15 days away. Uh, as you're hearing this episode, if you're hearing it on Friday, uh, just over two weeks away in Philadelphia. So we're going to do our top four Minnesota United predictions. Now we have four different. Um, topics here, and we're going to give our predictions for that topic. So, for example, our first topic is top goal scorer. So, Dom and I are each going to give our prediction on who the top goal scorer for Minnesota United is going to be in 2022. Uh, Dom, since you are sort of the co host here, I'm going to give you the reins and give you the honors of going first. So, who do you think is going to be uh, top of the score sheet for Minnesota United in 2022? Uh, my answer is going
1: to feel real silly if he does end up joining Nacional instead. But I think uh, Luis Amaria is going to be my pick. Uh, one, because yeah. it seems interesting. Uh, but two, because I think as long as he can get a good early start and kind of make his way into the uh, starting 11 within you know that first month, whether that be because of the formation change, as we talked about, or, or just winning minutes over other people, uh, I think as long as he can get the foot through the door in that sense and get the ball rolling, uh, I think he has the potential to to make up for lost time and 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 maybe get a little closer to to fulfilling that promise he made of what was it twenty or twenty five goals that he said he was going to score 25, yep. uh, 25. uh You know, I, I think. Properly informed, given time, I don't think that is an impossibility for him. Maybe not quite 25, but a certain a high level of of goals, a high number of goals, I think is very much possibility. And uh, yeah, I just I think that he has that potential. So I'm I'm gonna slightly risk it and,
0: and put my put my uh, chips on him. My pick, I'm going very sabermetrics with my pick here. Uh, very data driven. Very. Um... So last year at the end of the season when Minnesota United was finally able to get their front four together on the field for a consistent number of games, Frega Fragapani, Mano Reynoso, Adrian Anu, and Robin Lud, one of those four really was able to benefit most from a goal-scoring standpoint from having that cohesion on the field. And that was Robin Ludd. Um, Aside from the playoff match in Portland, when that front four was clicking, they were scoring a lot of goals. And the guy who was scoring a majority of those goals was Robin Lut. So taking that sample size and expanding it out over a whole season, cons- you know, hoping everyone stays healthy, um, assuming that if they go with a one striker system, that at least start with Adrian Unu as that uh, as that starting number nine. Um, I think Robin Lut is going to continue to show his quality and continue to be the one that sort of benefits from that the most. So my top goal scorer pick, of course, is Robin Hood himself, Robin Lut.
1: Very nice. Is uh when they make the 10K movie, is Brad Pitt gonna play you because you're moneyballing it right now with uh, with these uh, <laughs> with these expectations or with these predictions? Um, yeah, absolutely. yeah. All right. Uh, so I'll do I'll do my newcomer of the year then. Um, yeah, so topic
0: two is newcomer of the year.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like I gotta just go and go ahead and and continue to put all my eggs in this basket and i know technically he's been here before but i'm gonna go with abu Dinladi because he's technically new yeah. uh and and for what it's worth you know of the various people coming in you got super draft picks and all that stuff i mean he's probably one of the ones that you can actually expect to get more minutes than than some of those other players uh i think still as i've said before that, that he has the potential to have a really solid comeback here if he can stay healthy, which has always been the problem. The problem with his career has never been being bad when he's on the pitch. Always mm-hmm. been the fact that he's literally not on the pitch. So as long as they can keep him healthy, which uh, it sounds like there's been progress. I've seen snippets from media and so on through the preseason that sort of allude to the idea that that is a better situation now than it's been in the past. Um I think that he really has a potential to have a strong year that might not necessarily mean that he's starting every game or starting a lot of games, but I I see that the potential for a big impact from him. Uh, You've seen that to a degree in preseason. Of course, it's preseason, uh, but it's still more information than we had before. And, you know, I I even see clips. uh, Gosh, I want to say sorry if this is the wrong station. I think it was WCCO. The, there was an interview clip that had done, gone around uh, of, of yeah, him talking exactly, and, you know, talking about his motivation coming into the season, talking about how he's changed his number to 18 in tribute to his, his brother, um, uh, Salih I believe was his brother's name, uh, who, who unfortunately passed away last year. And, you know, I, you know, he's talking about his situation, about where he is mentally. And it just, he, I see a maturity there that, you know, is really reassuring. Maybe something that he didn't have before. Of course, when he joined the team the first time, he was out of college, very young. And I just think that the ingredients might be there for a, a really strong year. Uh, it seems like everybody around that move, certainly including him, really wants to sort of, I was showing with Amriya earlier with the 25 goal thing, but it's sort of that, of that idea of like finishing the journey, finishing the project. Uh, so I am going to say that Abu Ladi will be the newcomer of the year.
0: Does Amaria count as a newcomer?
1: I mean, if Delotti does, I suppose Amaria does.
0: <laughs> yeah. So if, if Amaria counts, I'll give I'll give a two part answer here to sort of cover myself. Um, if Amaria counts as a newcomer, then I'm going to go Louis, Luis Amaria. Um, I think again, uh, s- similar to the Delotti thing, but maybe on a grander scale. I think he was able to stay healthy. I think his form in 2020 uh, showed what he can provide this team, um, and I think he can be pretty pretty significant. Um, so I think by default, I think that would make him newcomer of the year. If he's just able to, if he's able to provide a fraction of the impact that he sort of promised ahead of the 2020 season, um, I think that would make him newcomer of the year for sure. If he doesn't, I'm going to go out on a limb and it's going to be another forward. Uh, I'm going to go bangakule Hlongwani. I think we got to, we got to ride that South African train, Dom. Um, you know, we got to, we got to. He's coming in with a lot of uh, a lot of boost from his fellow South Africans on social media. I think he's going to come in motivated. I think there will be opportunities for him as we get later in the season. Um, so opportunity for him to sort of show what he's got. Um, and the the highlight tape looks really good. So um, if Amaria doesn't count for newcomer of the year, I'm going Klungwani.
1: That's a good pick. That's a good pick. I mean, I heard on Twitter that he scored ten goals in one game once.
0: So. I mean, I mean yeah, if he if he didn't bring he, that magic, and then he, he saved a child magic. from a burning building on the same day, that's, uh, that's what I heard. Perhaps. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. um. I'm. I'll go. I'll start with number three since you started the okay. first two. I'll start these last two. Um. The the third topic is Tyler Miller or Dane St. Clair. Which one are we going with? As we get closer, I mean, we we're, we're again 15 days from the season. It looks like both will be options at least at the start of the season in net for Minnesota United. So which one are we going with? Um, If he's here, I don't think he's done anything to lose his spot. So I'm going Tyler Miller. I think it should be Dane St. I think he uh, has the higher ceiling and he needs the time. He needs the reps um, at this level to continue his development. Uh, But I don't think Tyler Miller has really done much. He was one of the, you know, he had a few slip-ups. He had a few, you know, um, head-scratching moments. But for the whole sample size of the season, Tyler Miller was pretty damn good, one of the top top goalkeepers in all of MLS last year. So um, I think just based off that, um, I'm going Tyler Miller.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I think – um I'm going to go the other way, but I I think that there's a very strong chance that the folks that actually are going to make the decision go or uh, agree with you, but mm-hmm. uh, and I don't necessarily disagree with a lot of your points there. Uh, but I'm going to go with Dang Sinclair. Um, I think that his potential, like we've talked about this before, but I think his potential could carry him past Miller's current level. Albeit, I, I understand that that might mean that he ends up reaching that point at another team later down the road. But uh, I, I think that I think that it would be the right thing to do to get him back on the pitch to continue to grow into the player I think he can be. And I think he already is a great player. I just think that he needs those minutes to get to the, to the next chapter in, in his skill level and his growth as a player. Uh, I think that despite the fact that he's quite young, that he is pretty par for par for a lot of the other keepers in the league. Yep. He unfortunately often gets kind of thrown into like rare matches where things go against him. So some of the statistics from matches do not always necessarily show him to be better or equal mm-hmm. to someone like Miller. I think very mu- most of that has very little to do with him. Uh, and I think when he does play, when you focus on what he's actually doing, that he shows a really, really high level of ability. So I, I, I would like to see him. I would like for Heath to play the kids, so to say, and to, to see St. Clair more consistently
0: um, with, with the team this season. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it should be St. Clair. I think his, I think his his development is being stunted by the fact that he is not getting starts and he's not getting minutes in net. I mean, he is at the point in his career where he is only going to progress and only going to develop when given those opportunities. And after, I believe it was the third match, maybe it was the fourth match last season, he stopped getting opportunities completely. When the switch was made to Tyler Miller, I thought it was only going to be a a few matches and then back to St. Clair, maybe to send a message or maybe just to have St. Clair hit the reset button. But they did not go back to St. Clair at all. The rest of the season. And while Miller didn't necessarily, like I mentioned, do anything to lose his spot, you, you have a stud. You, I mean, it's a first round super draft pick. You have a stud that you've invested a lot of scouting time, a lot of I mean, there's a lot of potential money invested in in, in Dane St. Clair down the line. You right. I mean, you have a potential long-term stud goalkeeper who, at the very least, you can turn and sell on to Europe or whoever. You know, for a huge profit, you can't do that with Tyler Miller. We know who Tyler Miller is, we know his ceiling. It's a good ceiling, but Dane St. Clair's has the potential to be larger. And I think that's the that's that's the that's where I'm at here. And that's why I thought I mean it made total sense for Minnesota United to shop Tyler Miller this offseason. The allocation money that's being thrown around right now for transfers within MLS is crazy. I feel like the loons could bank big but they haven't done it 15 days from the end, from the start of the regular season. I don't see them doing it between now and then if, and if Tyler Miller is on the roster, although I don't agree with the decision, I think, I think he's the one who starts. Sorry. I just sort of reiterated my point again, after you reiterated, Um, I apologize. Um, Fourth and final Minnesota United prediction for 2022 here. Spot in the Western conference table. Uh, Minnesota United has been fourth fifth and fifth the last three seasons in the western conference um do they stand pat do they move up do they step back i am going to say they take a small incremental step up and i'm going to say they finish third in the west in 2022 what say you dom uh you
1: know i think that they're more or less gonna stay where they are uh -hmm. i'm off the top of my head i'm going to say fifth uh again uh i'm i'm just not sure yet how the team has changed will compared to how a lot of the other teams around them have changed and uh and and there's some teams that really struggled last year that have been doing a lot of work to not struggle this year. Yeah. Uh certainly including the two clubs in a little place called Los Angeles. Uh so uh I I just am cautious about what that's going to look like. Uh, and also the conference gonna be able you know there's gonna be 14 teams next this year. Nashville's gonna be swinging over. So it'll be interesting to see how that all affects things. But yeah, I, I I just I don't quite think they're gonna be able to climb higher than they have been. But I certainly think that
0: they'll still be in the playoffs. All right. Well, those are our predictions. If you want to roast us on Twitter, or say that you agree with us on Twitter, feel free to do that. Uh, We are at 10K Pitches. I am at JG Rushing or Jeremy G Rushing. Dominic is at DJ Bazonio, and that'll do it for us this week on 10,000 Pitches. Be looking for bonus interview early next week, and we will be back next Friday, same time, same place, with new content dom i don't know if you saw the uh the twitter feed this week i don't know who's managing our our twitter but some weird stuff's going on
1: yeah some very strange uh someone asked if it was an nft it's it's not but but maybe we should we'll take your it. money we'll definitely yeah. take your money um yeah. but yeah some very strange uh cyberpunk <laughs> 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 stuff going on at the 10 bitches twitter
0: account what? we'll just have to see what that's all about yeah glitchy glitchy stuff we'll see if it continues or if we fix things we'll find out uh until uh, then see you guys have a great weekend we'll be back next.